Welcome to the Cal Current Podcast, presented by the Law Offices of Snell & Wilmer. This is a legal podcast that examines a variety of current legal issues that affect individuals and businesses here in California and beyond. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Steffi Hafen, a partner in Snell & Wilmer's Private Client Service Group for this episode of Cal Current. Today, I'd like to talk about a very hard topic, and that is what to do after the death of a loved one. And this is from an estate administration and a legal perspective. While this is not an upbeat topic, it is an important one. And I'm hoping that this podcast will provide some guidance to someone somewhere grieving, trying to understand the next steps forward. A death of a loved one is an emotional time. And often, the task of closing out the decedent's life is an overwhelming and stressful responsibility left to the decedent's loved ones. So if you can and you don't have a plan in place, advanced planning for the administration of your assets can provide stress relief, a clear path forward, and give your loved ones an opportunity to grieve. But if you found yourself in a position where you need to be the person to administer the estate, here are some next steps. And this is in an order that should be determined by you and your particular facts. First, it may be helpful to search for an advanced healthcare directive for the decedent. Oftentimes, this document will provide instructions regarding burial and organ donation wishes of the decedent. The advanced healthcare directive will also name an agent who has the authority to make these decisions, as may be guided by the document. You should also look for and secure all estate planning documents. This will include an original will. In California, if an original will was executed but cannot be found in original form, there's a presumption that arises that the will was destroyed by the decedent. So it's really important that if you do find the original estate planning documents, you should take the necessary steps to secure them. You should also secure the valuables and any property of sentimental value. Unfortunately, we've had cases where looters will come to a home that they see empty. So it's really important to make sure you secure any sorts of things that could be easily removed from a home. You should also consider a list of the friends and family to notify. And perhaps consider dividing up this this task of notification, monumental task, between your other loved ones. As I always tell my families, you should not be afraid to ask for help. Next, you should consider making the funeral and the burial preparations. Guidance and wishes for the decedent may be found in the decedent's documents, such as the will, the healthcare directive, or their other files. They might have a burial plan in place, and some people even pay for these in advance. You'll also want to write an obituary, and these can be published in your local newspaper or online. You should consider obtaining input from those closest to the decedent and lean on other people to help you in preparing that. Unfortunately, identity fraud is also a real issue in cases like this. In this vein, it is important for you to notify the Social Security Administration of the decedent's passing. Typically, the funeral director or funeral home will do this for you, but please make sure they do. You should also at that time request five to maybe 15 death certificates as you're going to need these when reporting the passing to other agencies and third parties. You should also contact the credit reporting agencies so they can put a freeze or a hold on any credit inquiries under the the decedent's social security number. This would include Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. When you call these agencies, you can actually request that they flag the decedent's credit report as deceased 
and do not issue credit on those on this uh, account. You should also request a copy of the decedent's credit reports. This will be helpful for you to identify unusual activity and to be sure you're aware of any creditors or accounts that may be passed due. You should also make a list of all the important bills, like mortgage payments, property insurance, etc., to ensure that the bills are properly handled and the assets don't go without the protection that they need. Canceling the health insurance and notifying Medicare, if applicable, should be done as well. You should also consider canceling the voter registration in the state of residency. Most counties will have their own form to do this and procedures. Check with your county's election office for details. You should also cancel the driver's license by surrendering the license to the DMV. Information on how to do this is provided on the DMV website. So there are going to be additional assets that you're going to consider searching for. For example, you should look to make sure that if there's any benefits from an employer, that those are properly requested. Oftentimes, those benefits are paid over to a beneficiary designated or to minor children or a surviving spouse. You should also consider applying or looking into any survivorship benefits from the decedent Social Security. Uh, benefits from, from Social Security are, not, are only retroactive up until a certain date, so you should make this a, pri- a top priority. There also may be life insurance out there. Um, so you should contact life insurance companies and, and, and notify them of the death. While they will typically only speak with the beneficiary listed on the account, alerting the life insurance company can at least get the ball rolling. Uh, Looking at decedent's prior tax returns will also help you to identify assets and sources of income. And in this vein, you should reach out to the decedent's advisors like the CPA who may be aware of any pending tax uh, liabilities or other time-sensitive issues. And you should certainly uh, look to meet with an estate planner to discuss the administration of the estate as soon as possible. There are plenty of tax and state law rules that require attention and compliance. From there, the next steps will depend a lot on how the decedent held title to their assets. If the decedent created a revocable living trust, sometimes called an inter vivos trust or a family trust during their life, then the decedent's estate may be administered completely according to the terms of the trust and most likely with no court intervention. If the decedent did not establish a revocable trust or left a probate estate, then a probate administration will likely need to be commenced in the applicable superior court. In a trust administration, a successor trustee can immediately begin acting on behalf of the trust. That successor trustee can take control of the trust bank accounts and other assets, act on behalf of the trust with respect to closely held business interests, and otherwise manage the trust's affairs almost seamlessly. Assuming there are sufficient assets in the trust, distributions to the decedent's beneficiaries can likely be accomplished in short order. All of this can be done without court supervision and without making a public record of the decedent's assets and the liabilities. On the other hand, if a probate administration is required, then an interested person must petition the probate court to commence an estate administration and appoint a personal representative, which can take some time. An inventory of the decedent's assets and liabilities will be filed with the court and open to public inspection and all actions will be overseen by the court and subject to judicial scrutiny. It can easily take more than a year to distribute the assets and close a probate administration, and this is due mostly to the backlog in the Southern California courts. You'll likely need an estate planner to help you navigate a probate administration, and they can help better advise you with the timing and other issues related to your probate. Next, you might have some questions about taxes. I've heard this before from people, If I inherit from the decedent, should I be expecting a hefty tax bill directed right at me? Well, the answer is no for the most part. 
The recipient of inheritance doesn't generally pay any California or federal income tax on bequests they receive. The major exception to this is retirement plans. If you are the beneficiary of a retirement plan, you may expect to be responsible for income tax on each distribution from the retirement, depending on the retirement account type. Furthermore, upon the death of the decedent, all the assets that are includable in the decedent's gross estate receive what's called a step-up in income tax basis to the fair market value of the assets at the date of death. This can potentially eliminate significant capital gain on the subsequent sale of such assets by the beneficiaries. Keep in mind, however, if you inherit something that has produced income since the date of the decedent's death until the time you receive it, that income could be taxable to you. Next, I have people often asking me about the so-called death taxes. So in California, there is no estate tax or inheritance tax. Tax. So families of California decedents generally need only focus on federal estate tax issues. In the United States, we tax the right to transfer property. Sometimes this is referred to the death tax, but it's really a tax on the transfer of the property, either during life or at death. Gift taxes are imposed on taxable gifts made during life, and estate taxes are imposed on items included in the decedent's taxable estate at death. There's also the generation skipping transfer tax, which imposes an additional tax every time assets skip a generation, but we'll leave that for another time. The tax rate for the gift and estate tax and the GST tax is currently 40%. However, everybody also has a lifetime exemption from gift and estate tax, and it's only wealth that's transferred above and beyond the lifetime exemption that is subject to the tax. For the year 2020, the gift and estate tax exempt amounts and GST exempt amount is $11.58 million, which is roughly $23 million for married couples. However, this increased amount of $11.58 million is set to sunset in 2026 and revert to its prior rates of $5 million per person indexed for inflation. There is speculation that this exemption amount, the current one of $11.58 million, may be decreased prior to the 2026 sunset by the current administration. Check out my podcast, Estate Tax in an Election Year, for some additional information on that. The estate planner assisting you with the administration can also help you determine what taxes, rates, and exemptions are applicable in your case. Speaking of estate planner, there also may be other time-sensitive tax issues, so don't delay in getting legal assistance. For example, the filing of what are called disclaimers must be done within nine months of death. Disclaimers are where a beneficiary wishes to disclaim his or her interest in the estate and are not applicable in all cases. In addition, the estate tax return is also due nine months from date of death. A six-month extension is also available if requested prior to the due date for the deadline to file, but this is not extension of the time to pay the tax, so talk to your estate planner about estimated tax payments. In short, losing a loved one is a trying and difficult time. If you're administering an estate after the death of a loved one, make sure you ask for the help you need and make sure you have an estate planner you feel comfortable with to help you navigate the process. And if you're listening to this and you have not executed an estate plan of your own or arranged for the administration of your assets and liabilities, please consider doing so. Advanced planning for the administration of your assets can provide your loved ones stress relief, a clear path forward, and the opportunity to take the time they need to grieve. And with that, we've come to the end of this episode of The Cal Current. And if you've lost a loved one, I hope this episode provided you some needed information and clarity on next steps forward. And I send my sincerest condolences your way. I have been your host, Steffi Hafen, and I appreciate your time. Please feel free to follow up with me directly with any questions or comments regarding this episode 
at S-H-A-F-E-N at SWLaw.com. That's S-Hafen at SWLaw.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to CalCurrent, a weekly podcast navigating California's legal landscape, brought to you by the law offices of Snell and Wilmer. Do you have a topic you would like to discuss? Please feel free to send us your topics to calcurrent at swlaw.com. Be sure to check out our website for more episodes and information about this podcast. We can also be found on all major social media platforms at SWLaw News. Thank you, and until next time. Mm-hmm.